Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Okay. There's a lot, a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be concerned about, amen, in the world. What I am so thankful for today is our little kiddos and our older ones, our grown-up ones, but all the young people that we're celebrating today in our children's Sabbath. It is the... I was counting, this is our 19th Children's Sabbath at Middle Church. Um, It is the 30th Children's Sabbath for the Children's Defense Fund and the 50th anniversary of the Children's Defense Fund, period, which is amazing. And I am super excited um, as we gather this morning uh, and invite you to take a deep breath with me. That I'm excited that you're here. I want to take a moment to introduce our guest preacher before I say more announcements so those online can see his face. The Reverend Dr. Starsky Wilson is with us today. Starsky is the um, president and COO of the Children's Defense Fund, a job he's had for about three years. He brought his wonderful, amazing family with him today, his wife Latoya, we've got Dallas and Mason and Queen Bee, I'm just kidding, Amber. (laughs) Amber, you're amazing. So we're so glad to welcome this whole family with us today as we celebrate the Children's Sabbath. Thank you for coming. There are a couple of other things just to share uh, really quickly today after this this worship celebration. Elise is going to be taking young adults. Elise is over here in brown sweater. If you're young adults, that 20, 30, or you know, 64, um, you're welcome to go and hang out with, uh, with Elise and the young people right across this park really here at uh, Pennington House. But meet Elise and walk over. Uh, today, uh, also this evening, I'll be participating in a, a, a recently evolving event put together by the Proctor Conference. It's Black Christ- how to be black and Christian in a time of war. So there's lots of conversations happening about messaging and how do we do this and what are we feeling about it? What's our theological orientation? Four-part conversation. First one's tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can find the link on their site, Proctor Institute, but also on my page. Please come. And you don't have to be black and Christian to come, middle family. By definition of you being here, you are welcome to come and hang out, okay? So come hang out and see what we're talking about. It would be wonderful uh, to do that with you. Next uh, uh, Tuesday night, I'm going to be on the Circle app. I am not a good app kind of person, but I'm going to be on that app. And I want you to come with me. We're trying to create a context for middle people to have more intimate connections. So we'll be having Jack and Tonic. <laughs> What I mean by tonic, per Webster's Dictionary, is anything that lifts your mood and makes you feel better. So bring your tea, bring your water, your ice water, bring your tonic water, and anything else that makes you feel good, and be in the room with me for a while, just talking out and sharing stories with each other, okay? Hope you'll come. That's at 8.30, after you've put the kids to bed. Uh, And then... Or maybe they've put you to bed. I don't know. (laughs) Then next Sunday between worship celebrations, our annual Halloween costume. I'm so excited we do that. Halloween party. Children are excited. Me too. 10.30 for games, snacks, lions and tigers and bears, etc. (laughs) And last but not least, our queer variety show and political resource fair. Only middle has a variety show plus a resource fair. Queer Art is Justice will be at the LGBT Center on Saturday, November 4th. 
visit our website for more details. That's a lot of announcements today. Just wanting to check in and make sure you know that you're welcome, welcome to be in community in these times, right? Take a deep breath, one more breath. And let us take a moment to center and then to worship God and our opening hymn. Welcome, young people. for all ages. Don't be trying to go sit over there on the pews. Come on. Come on, don't leave me hanging. Come on. I rarely get to do this. Come on. All right. Whoopsie. Okay. Yeah, come on, baby. All right. Well, hello. How are y'all doing? Good. Good? Good. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Happy. Okay, I'm going to use my mic. I'm glad you're happy. Listen, I'm happy too. Do you know why I'm happy? Because today we get to celebrate you in the children's Sabbath. Do you know what a Sabbath is? What is a Sabbath? A Sabbath is a special day of rest or commemoration, meaning a special day. And today is the Children's Sabbath that was started by an amazing woman named Marion Wright Edelman, who when she was a college student, um, was part of those activists who were making the world better by registering people to vote, or by going to the lunchroom counters and sitting at the lunchroom counters and showing that they could do anything that, that, that white people could do. They were making a better way. They protested and they did all kinds of good things. And when they did them, they also made little pop-up stations at the grocery store or at the hair salon or at the barbershop where people your age could come and also learn how to be good citizens in a democracy. All of that is to say she founded the Children's Defense Fund, and they are 50 years old today, 50 years old. Yeah. And the Children's Sabbath is 30 years old. Wow. Here's what I love about the Children's Sabbath. It makes us all stop and ask ourselves, what is it about children that we should celebrate? And what I think is true is you are our best teachers. You teach us how to be joyful. You teach us how to be thoughtful. 
I have never met a young person that didn't know how to be good friends with another person. All the young people I know have friends of all different colors and hairstyles and shapes and sizes. And the children I know are vulnerable. They like have curiosity and questions. So thank you. Thank you for teaching us how to be better. Give them a hand. <laughs> now, there's a lot of things that you teach us well and things that we need to know how to do better. So I need a little help with my microphone so I can show you something. I have in my hand a magic tube of toothpaste. Ta-da! I know. There are people who put really good words in the world. Kindness and love and encouragement. And there are some people who put words in the world that are not as nice. Here's the thing about words. Ew. Nice on the brush, not on the plate. What is this? Toothpaste on a plate. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But it makes me think about words that come out of our mouth into the world. Words come out of our mouth and, let's see. Can I get these words, can I get this toothpaste back in here? No. I really can't. No, I really can't. Words don't go back in your mouth. So if we learn to say loving, kind, encouraging words, they stay in the world like the toothpaste on the plate. But if we say like mean words, those also stay in the world like the toothpaste on the plate. We can't really take them back even if we say we're sorry, they don't go away. So what I'm thinking about is how many good words we can say in the world. You teach me that. I want you to keep doing that. Good words in the world, not sticky bad words in the world, so that the world is a better place. Now, tell me some of the good words that you say in the world. Teach the adults. What are some good words we say in the world? I like you. I love that. That's great. What else? I love you so much. I love you so much. What else? I love the church. I love the church. I love that. You are, real, you are really funny. I, I am really funny. <laughs> you are really funny. That's good. Maybe a couple of more good words that we can say. We all should be excited. We all should be excited. Do you I'm have one? I'm excited for you. I'm glad too. What's your, do you have something? It was fun. It was fun? Oh, good. One more. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Last one. You're amazing. You're amazing. Do you see what I mean? These young people, young people out there, they, you know how to say good words in the world. And I want to encourage you, words are like toothpaste. You cannot put them back in. But you can leave them in the hearts and minds of people to make the world a better, more loving place. Would you like the toothpaste? Oh, okay. You got it last time. All right, there we go. Let's give it to our guest. Okay, thank you. That's very that's a good word. Let's stand up and sing Siahamba. We are lost. doing this morning? You can sit down, that's okay. Thank you for standing for the marching. <laughs> I love Children's Sabbath, we all get a little more playful. Um, okay, so for Children's Sabbath, for the prayers of our people, this Sunday, I pulled it from the Children's Defense Fund website. Um, all around, it is Children's Sabbath, and we know that God hears 
uh, prayers in our silence and in our collective voices together. So we're going to try a little bit of both in this prayer. So we'll have some silence. But also when I say the words, mighty Lord, excuse me, mighty God, lover of justice, your response is hear our prayers. Got it? If you're online, it's one of my favorite sorts of activities to do in a prayer because then the whole chat is filled with just hear our prayers. It's really beautiful. So I encourage you, if you are online, put that in the chat. And if you are in the space, please go check it out later because it will warm your heart. So the line again is, um, mighty God, lover of justice. And your response is, God, Grant that we all who gather in Christ's name will throw wide our doors and our hearts and lift our hands and voices to proclaim your promise of love and will for justice, especially for those who are young, poor, vulnerable, and oppressed. Mighty God, lover of justice, Guide our nation and all of our leaders that they will champion the cause of the children and families most oppressed and govern with truth, compassion, and justice. Mighty God, lover of justice, bless the families of the world, especially the billion who lack the income, clean water, health care, or education needed to live into the fullness of life. Mighty God, lover of justice, strengthen us to create a nation and world of justice so that every child may live with plenty and not poverty, with peace and not hatred, not threatened by violence, surrounded by family, not separated, so that all children have lives of hope, not despair. Mighty God, lover of justice, comfort all who suffer, especially those who are hungry, are victims of violence, or struggle without a job or enough income to meet their needs. Mighty God, lover of justice, gather to yourself all who have died especially those who have died from poverty, violence, and other causes we could have prevented. Mighty God, lover of justice. Almighty God, lover of justice, hear these, the prayers of your children, and grant them for the sake of your beloved child, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And now if you'll stand with me and pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in whatever language you know, whatever version you know, if you're not able to stand, that is okay. You can stand in spirit. Um, all those online, however you want to handle this, we trust you. Um, the words are printed in the bulletin if you need a copy. Will you join me? Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. The peace of God be with you. Please share a sign of peace with those around you.
it, if it was not before, it is now. Uh, to some who are watching it, it's good morning. To some, it's good afternoon. Uh, but either way, it is good for us to be here. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm Starsky Wilson, and I came from Washington, D.C. to listen to this children's choir. <laughs> and to say thank you for their ministry. You know, I come bringing you greetings on behalf uh, of the board, staff, volunteers, uh, all of the Children's Defense Front across the country with thanks uh, for your ministry here, for your care and tending to matters related to children and young people across the country, and for lifting up the National Observance of Children's Sabbath for 19 years uh, in this place and another place not too far from here. Um, we are glad to be with you uh, in this celebration. We are appreciative of Dr. Jackie's leadership uh, and friendship, uh, and we look forward uh, to being able to grow and build in ministry with you in the future. Um, today we find our grounding uh, in the scripture in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And I'll read for your hearing from the New Revised Standard Version of the text. Passage says, a shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's bin. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So reads the word of God. I come today to reflect with you on a passage this, of scripture here found um, that we've been wrestling with with faith communities across the country at the Children's Defense Fund, uh, particularly those in Jewish and Christian traditions uh, who serve and share this text together. Uh, those of us in Christian tr traditions who borrowed it, uh, stole, uh, from our big brothers and sisters in radical monotheism, and a little child shall lead them. I, Dr. Jackie, recall as I went back and forth across the country in what our grant called focus groups, but felt a lot like Bible study to me. Uh, my time is 10 years as the pastor of St. John's Church, the beloved community in St. Louis. My favorite thing to do was to teach and lead in adult study. Uh, as I got to do that, I got to wrestle with texts and challenge people's intentions, and we wrestle with this text with faith communities across the country. Um, but I am also reminded of an occupational hazard of being a pastor in my community. The occupational hazard of being a pastor in my community is people believe that I have some clear insight about what God wants. <laughs> And every now and then they bring all manner of situations that I have not experienced in my own life with a question about what God would have them to do. What does God want? 
I figured after a while, it was about year three, I better have some kind of answer or framework for this. Um, so I began to work out in a read of the scriptures what I think God wants. It is my way of understanding the Bible from the front cover to the back. It is a series and succession of initiatives where God is pursuing and God is up to something. I decided that God desires a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. God desires a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. I figured this was a helpful framework, but uh, I grew up in a Baptist church and tradition, so I better be able to find it in the Bible. And so I started reading this thing in the interest of validation of what I heard in my prayer life. And I see in creation, there in the very beginning, where God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And then the project goes forth, and God reaches down into Adamai, into clay, and shapes humanity, placing them in relationship with one another. And there we have it, a picture of a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. But we messed that up. Uh, but God is not to be outdone by our disobedience. And so in God's steadfast love, God continues to pursue. And when creation breaks down, there in the 12th chapter of Genesis, covenant takes over. God enters into relationship with Abraham and all those who would be offspring of Abraham, suggesting uh, that I will make your seed uh, uh, great. I will make you um, of you a great nation and you'll be my people and I'll be your God. And when creation breaks down, covenant takes over. And in relationship with the people who come forth from Abraham, God creates a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. But you all who study this story know that it gets a little rocky. Uh, these same folks get called stiff-necked a little later, uh, and they begin to break the relationship because that's kind of what humanity does. Uh, humanity messes up and Hesed, God's steadfast love, kicks in. And so there in Isaiah, I'm just reading through the Bible again. In Isaiah, in the first chapter, about the 18th verse, uh, God tries again and says, come now, let us reason together. Uh, the language in the, uh, the true language is actually, let's argue it out. So when creation doesn't work and covenant breaks down, God desires and enters into conversation through the prophets with God's people in order to bring forth again a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. But those who read the Bible really closely know that there's like a blank page between the Old and the New Testament. 400 years of silence. The conversation breaks down. And so God maybe figures I better do this thing myself. And in Matthew chapter one, the gospels open up with God coming down God's self. And through, as the scriptures say in my tradition, I think that's the 17th verse of Matthew, 40, 40 in two generations, the Christ takes over where conversation breaks down. And as Christ walks among us upon the earth, we experience a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. Jesus did some dangerous things got him killed by the state, calling forth a kind of community that was alternative and challenged to the kind of penury and oppression that the state decided, decided to bring. And after being cut down, God doesn't give up God's divine initiative. And when Christ transitions, the spirit falls in Acts chapter two in Pentecost and upon all human flesh. And with the spirit among and within us, God creates again a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. This is what God wants. I see it throughout the scripture in my literary and sometimes too linear read, uh, but it helps me when I run into situations in life where I can kind of read the newspaper through this Bible and wonder, is this what God wants? 
And when I read of a nation that has a population level experiment with expanding the child tax credit and lifting almost half of all children out of poverty in America, but can't pull together the moral courage to keep that thing in 2022 the way you had it in 2021, so poverty among children increases from 5% to over 12%, I can say definitively that is not what God wants. When I consider that people who are called to beat swords into plowshares are actually allowing guns to be the number one killer of children in America, I can say definitively that is not what God wants. Uh, when I consider the crisis of migrants, not just in this state and not just the arguments that are going forth from the mayor and the governor of this, this city and the, uh, the activity that is not active enough from the president of the United States, but I consider the 10,000 young people, unaccompanied children in the care of health and human services of the United States of America and those who have been put with sponsors who are not family members and those, those 344 who have been placed with people who have exploited them in their lives for labor, I can say this is not what God wants. And you don't have to go far on your clicker to get a sense of what is going on in Northeast Africa and the Middle East. And you may not have a sense that half the population in Gaza is under the age of 18. But when I consider the war and not just now the rumors of war and the tragedies and traumas they create for all children in the region, I can say definitively that this is not what God wants. God desires a community of peace with humanity in relationship and holiness in the realm. The question for us is how do we get from this that God wants to this that is our world? And I want to argue that as I read, maybe sometimes too quickly this text, I, I sometimes want to pause and take a picture of one. And in this passage in Isaiah chapter 11, we get an opportunity to tune in to what God may want and how we can make it from this to that. It requires us in this 11th chapter to take a different lens on leadership. In this passage um, that we see in verses one through five, the story is told and a picture is painted. We see the hope and promise of a leader who will come. A leader who won't judge like everybody else. A, a leader who doesn't trust their own eyes and their own perspective. One whose administration will be marked by justice and righteousness. A leader who will care for and tend to God's people and their needs. The first through the fifth verses uh, help us to understand and appreciate the human longing for someone who will set things aright. And then verses six through nine paint the picture, uh, a cosmic, maybe comic even, a picture of a child engaging in a community that seems so peaceable that it does not seem to make sense. It seems cartoon-esque even. A leopard and a lamb laying down together. To the leopard, the lamb is lunch. <laughs> These carnivorous animals in this picture are actually eating grass together. This child in a dangerous circumstance is playing with snakes and not being harmed. And we do this thing with this text. We, we take the promise of the leader in the first through the fifth verses and the, uh, the, the, the progression of that leadership, this peaceful kingdom in the sixth and ninth verses, and we do these things we do with the Bible a lot. We separate it. Canonization is this process where we add numbers where there were no numbers. We add spaces where there were no spaces. Uh, and then in your good study Bibles, we add pauses where there were no pauses. And I want to argue for a minute um, with those who have, please, I'm sorry, with the grown-ups who have placed a pause between the promise of a leader who doesn't lead like everybody else and the picture of a toddler who gets things done that nobody else can get done and suggest wrestling with the Christians in the room that maybe this isn't Jesus. Maybe this is just a promised, promising progeny of our community. Maybe we get to peace when we listen to the children. Maybe this is to turn us to a different lens on leadership. 
I want to offer that a fresh lens on leadership as we wrestle with this text uh, may cause us to think of it in at least three different ways. First, uh, we may consider leadership as a divine condescension. Uh, John Goldengay, Old Testament scholar, uh, talks about the ways we have come to define leadership. You know, special group of people, specialized knowledge, separate from everybody else, a little bit elitist. He suggests this is not what's going on in the Old Testament most faithfully. What's most faithfully happening is servanthood. Those who stand within a community and model what it means to be faithful to a relationship with God among the community. Perhaps uh, we recognize here that verses one through five are an expression of a hope for a leader uh, and a certain type of leader. Uh, it is going again with what Golden Gate lays out is that over time what happens is God says, I want direct relationship with the community. Meet me on the mountain, whether it's the holy mountain that is referenced here at the end of the text, Mount Zion in Jerusalem, or whether it is uh, a, a conversation where we name and frame as Mount Sinai, God wants direct relationship with God's community. And the people keep saying, but give us a king like the other people. And so God does relent, kind of like, you know, you got children and sometimes they want a thing and they want a thing and it feels like this. Mom, dad, can I give you what you want. But God gives us what we want and then qualifies in this text. We see qualifies and distinguishes the servant from other types of leaders. The servant has political insight. The servant in the face of war uses diplomacy. The servant has a certain personal piety. Leadership as a divine condescension may help us to understand human desires and may call us to consider things in a different way. But also we may think of leadership as a collective responsibility. Our dear friend Ramesh Raghavan, who's here in the New York area at New York University, is helping the Children's Defense Fund to frame our thinking around child well-being. Uh, there, he's at the School of Social Work, and his work seeks to frame children's, uh, child well-being in a couple of ways. It says, first, uh, children are well, children are thriving when they can enjoy childhood as a stage in and of itself. Consider that. Children are more than little adults. Childhood is a stage to be explored and enjoyed in and of itself. They are also well when they are developing as those their age and stage should. There are, of course, certain developmental milestones that each young person should have, and as they meet those, we can say that they are well. He also doesn't negate this idea of becoming. Yes, uh, they should be progressing toward productive and fruitful lives as adults, but it's the last part that gets me. He also notes that it is the responsibility of the community to create the conditions for young people to thrive. Here he suggests that the leadership call is one for all in a community and in a space, in a neighborhood, in a congregation, a synagogue or a mosque, a temple, in order to make sure that young people have what they need to thrive. Verses six through nine in the text paint a picture of what is possible when everyone in the community accepts their charge to create the conditions required for young people to thrive. But there's this thing that happens. Even when we consider leadership as a collective responsibility and we consider leadership as a divine condescension, when we say leadership, we then look around the room and look for the grown folks. And so I want to not negate what's happening in the text. Leadership can also be a project and promise of progeny. Verses six through nine uh, help to interrogate what we do when we hear what Ramesh is talking about. We look around and see all the grown folks and decide what is our responsibility to care for these children. We believe in the three-legged stool of the global children's rights movement of provision and protection. Yes, we have to make sure young people have all the things that they need. We have to make sure that harm does not come to them. But there's a third P in the progression, it's participation. That no decision should be made about them without them. And so here, verses six through nine give evidence that young people bring unique abilities and potential to the collective imagination and open up unforeseen possibilities that when you just get 18 and plus year olds in a room, nobody can see. Maybe we can't see it because it's been taught out of us. Maybe we can't see it because it's been structured out of us. 
a little too much rapping on the knuckles with the ruler, a little too much be seen and not heard, a little too much sit back and be quiet, and not enough creation of space. I see this child this, in this open field, this pastoral image as one who just for a moment on children's Sabbath is seen and safe and secure. And, and what I learned through the mentorship of one eight-year-old baby girl uh, who was just here around this bema turned altar uh, is that there's another definition of child well-being. It's not just one from social work books and it's not just one that comes in abstracts, uh, but when children are seen and safe and find sanctuary and are secure, they sing and dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> this is the picture of a beloved community. This is a charge for each and every one of us. This is what the text is trying to teach and tell us that young people can lead us to a place that we have not yet seen before, if we're willing to listen and follow their lead. I'm not sure about these other situations, but when I see my daughter singing and dancing, and when I hear young people singing like these today, and when I know they are safe and secure, I don't have all the answers to what's going on in the mind of God, but I do know this is what God wants. fall. Thank you all for coming today. I'm Deborah Berg McCarthy. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a deacon on Middle's Consistory Board, where I also act as Madam Secretary. For our awesome board, who you, you should be so proud of. Beautiful board, very smart people, and big, big hearts. And they have you in mind, always. Just a little you, Rep. Jackie. Um, so um, let's see. I like to work with my aboriginal realms, which for me is music and food. And uh, I came to Middle through music, through Jerry's Johnson Gospel Choir with the fabulous John Del Cueto um, and Dion McCain-Greeny. Um, uh, highly recommend joining the choir. Um, I'm also a member of the Butterfly Outreach Ministry who uh, has a very uh, grassroots way of reaching the people with food, people in need. Poor people going to rise up and get their share, and we're going to help them. I love tuning into Bible in the Middle when I can because of the perspective of the scriptures from those people with their intellect and their perspective. It's um, a very beautiful website. You can join at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Along with other middle members, I also volunteer to help mutual aid and migrant relief organizations here in the city. And that includes a lot of children. Um, so, but today I'm here to invite you to join the movement. Middle is all about welcoming, welcoming you home. Becoming a member at Middle opens doors for you to see the inner workings of what this wonderful church community of ours does in real time. Yes, we did lose our building. We lost it in a fire in December 2020. Yes, we are rebuilding. We as a community are still standing and we're still going strong. Middle con continues to grow. We are a community now in 47 states and in 22 countries. That is awesome, and that takes money, and we can't do it without your help. We really connect with so many people on so many levels. So what might you feel called to do for this family called Middle? How can you share your gifts? Like our families of origin, life is messy. 
But sometimes you find yourself helping out in ways you never imagined. Like the old Nike message, just do it and you'll find out just how many changes can be made in just your participation in something. So participate in middles, small vital groups, or volunteer to lead a small group, sing in the choir, work with the children's ministry or the young adults ministry, share your knowledge of history of our city and its checkered past as our reparations is getting down into now. Share your knowledge of the scriptures. I came to middle for the scriptures at being a preacher's kid, having the scriptures read in a perspective that I could receive was like manna from heaven, like honey, and appreciated it in this contemporary setting. And it's important for our young people to know about scriptures and to be able to speak up, speak out and be strong and be brave. So please, if you would like to join the movement, go to middlechurch.org backslash join to fill out a new members form. That's what I'm doing because this is what people are looking at online. And you take a new members class so we can get to know you better. And also, another place is middlechurch.org backslash donate to share your treasure. We know you are a treasure, and we invite you to share your treasure with Middle. So just as you are, as you come through the door, we welcome you. Please check out Becoming a Member of Middle. Could you be loved and be loved? May it be so. Just come. Amen.
sounds like a whisper. Don't you know they're talking about a revolution? It sounds like a whisper. Don't you know they're talking about a revolution? Don't you know they're talking about a revolution? Don't you know they're talking about a revolution? Don't you know Before you to seek understanding. Help us comprehend the significance of surrendering to love and to living a life of spirited service to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
Would, would you guys come around this way? Can you all come over here? Can you come over here? Come over here. Can the little ones, can you come a little more? Mm -hmm. Down here, son. Come here. <laughs> you did such a good job! Job. Such a beautiful job. Oh my goodness, I'm so in love with you. Do you know this? It's possible that I might kidnap you from your parents. <laughs> it's possible. If you look up and they're gone, it's because I have them. Um, you are why we do what we do. You are why we do what we do. So when you have babies, and your babies have babies, the world will be better. And so we're counting you, we're watching you. You're teaching us. Teaching us how to be vulnerable and honest, teaching us how to be playful and silly, teaching us how to sing well. Watching you grow up is a gift. So thank you. They're why we do what we do. We can't stand by idly and watch the world destroy our babies. That's what God requires. That's what God wants. Let there be peace on earth. Doesn't matter our politics. Let there be peace on earth. We believe our children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. So may, <laughs> may the child in these children resonate with the child in you. And may you know how very much you are loved and adored. And may that cause you to love ridiculously all the people around you. Let us love the hell out of the world and lead the way to peace. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.